0: Welcome to Solomon's Knot, Finding Truth and Wisdom in an Information Age. This episode will conclude a fall-on discussion I had with a student named Jared about hell and justice that carried over from the previous conversation. If you haven't already listened to the first part, I would encourage you to do that now before listening to this episode. Additionally, the second half of this interview was recorded with my iPhone, so the background noise might be a little bit more pronounced than usual. In either case, I want to thank you for your continued support and encouragement in helping Solomon's Knot becoming one of the most effective resources equipping students at NC State from an historically established source of truth found in the bible now let's get to our guest things i i actually don't do as good of a job but can i can i see that book right there yeah the bible just i want you to hear it because there's something that is profoundly different than just talking about commentary versus actually just seeing what the bible says but so go to, we're gonna go to romans everyone likes to go to romans i'm sure you're familiar but um here we go If God is so good, why do bad things happen to his people, right? And there's a whole commentary on this, but just, yeah, yeah. Fix out. Um, Ah. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So this is the narrative that from the ancients believed in that there was a common ancestor. We all descended from Adam and Eve. Sin entered into the garden through which we know Satan. And that's another conversation because well, why did Satan allow to do it? The reason is, is because we also learn Scripture talks about this stuff. It's not like some guy just made the stuff up to compliment in between. Scripture talked yeah. about there was a rivalry in the heavenly realms. Satan and a third of the angels fell. Later on we see that Satan got to Eve, tempted her, basically said, "Hey, you could be like God if you just eat of this tree, allowing them to define what was good for themselves." Gosh, that that is so much so much we could dig into that, but essentially Adam and Eve is actually probably my favorite story in the Bible, but I don't interpret it that way. Okay, well, but think about this though. We're just going to use the scripture, right? And we'll we'll talk about that, but yeah. now Adam is this is verse uh, this is Romans 5 verse 14. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Sin entered Adam, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of the one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. So there's a difference, right? For Adam's sin led in condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Okay, here we go. Through the one man, Adam, Mm The sin nature of man brought death and condemnation. The reverse of that is that Jesus reconciled us, because, and he can do it because he's not just a man. He's God incarnate. And this is what's unique, is that Jesus has the ability, the power and authority to bring us back to a place of reconciliation with God from a spiritual and a natural context. Because here's the thing is, before I was living for myself, I was led by my carnal fleshly desires. And you know what, being perfectly honest, I still am about 90% of the time, mm-hmm. right? We are, because we have to eat, have to sleep, yeah. we have desires, we have passions. But what God does is He understood that uniquely, and because of the fall, distorting our view of who God is, right? Because we ate of the ability to make our own decisions on what we want to do and how to find good and evil. And that's where I think we, we struggle in the natural is that you have everybody trying to search for justice because there's the sense of like, this is wrong. By what standard? I think this is wrong because I feel it. Well, that's not a standard. That is subjective. Mm. Now you and about 6 billion other people in the world might agree that doing this is wrong, but where is that based off of? It has to come from the law. If, if there's a separation, and this is the concept of a hell, and look, the Bible describes hell, but it's not the full context of what we probably can experience on earth because this happens in a spiritual realm. This happens, in a, it's an actual physical place where we can't see it. What happens on Earth is death, destruction. So we have we have some context for it. He's got a justice. Would you agree? If there wasn't a consequence, well, why does everyone who commits a crime in this part not go unpunished? So we want people to have justice. We, yeah, yeah. I think the idea of hell. We could talk about this for a long time, and I'm actually good with talking about that for a long time. But the idea of hell is absolutely fundamental to how Western. Christianity, religion, how it is absolutely structured. This is the pillar that once it fell for me, I can't go back to church because my fundamental perspective without a hell cannot reconcile with the perspective in the modern church. I can reconcile with God, I can't reconcile with the current church. That's why I can't really go back into religion in any church right now because of the pillar of hell, the idea, if it's not accepted, then our modern theology kind of goes down the wayside. Rob <laughs> Bell. Rob Bell. Yeah. I think the idea that Rob Bell brings deepens religion to be way more interesting. Because currently, how the story is everyone I talk to, they, they've mentioned this, and I'm like, I know. I used to be in your shoes. I went on mission trips. I explained this to people hundreds of times. The idea of Adam and Eve sin cost into the world, right? And then humans were all lost. In order for humans to be saved and go back to heaven, be reunited with God in the present and afterlife, Jesus had to come die and shed his his blood, right? But those who don't accept Jesus end up in hell. And then we have eternal life. But I mean, that's super paraphrased. But for, for the sake of this is the idea of hell, even in a loving religion, is I think harmful because the idea that, okay, I'm 17-year-old, I knowingly reject the idea of Jesus Christ or Christianity or religion, die in a car accident. And then 17-year-old is then put into hell for, I don't know, 100 billion years, 200 billion years, 1 trillion years like of torment. This is the idea that the current church holds of an eternal hell. I mean, an eternal hell means eternity and some sort of bad place. And for 17 years of life, there's not no amount of harm that you have to actively, like even if you're Hitler for 17 years, there's no way 100 billion years of suffering is any justice towards that that is totally not aligned and i think a lot of people have struggles with the idea of hell for good reason because i think intuitively we know that's something's off that might be a human invention used as a sort of system in place for power and that's kind of how i see it not that god designed a hell physically to torment us because we were bad humans But we designed a hell because humans are known for pretty horrific things. The idea of a god or a savior trying to pull us back into love. And torment for a million years to me isn't love. No, no amount of how bad you are. I think that what I discovered through this is like, that's your question. This conversation is why I do this. For some students that are kind of in their discovery their journey, like they're still weaving through that. But Jared, this is your question that I think hopefully give you a more accurate picture of what the Bible says. Jesus mentions hell. He mentions a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth that there's there for the, the sinners, the lawless ones, even the, the false teachers. And so is Jesus wrong? Well, no, I don't think Jesus okay. is wrong. But the thing is is that the word we translate for hell is actually multiple words. You have shield, I think one was Gomorrah. Hades. Yeah. Hades. Yeah. You know, and, and the Jewish people don't actually have an idea of eternal torment. You know, in the Old Testament, they don't... That's like a... That's a very European-esque idea, yeah. you know? so There's places in the Old Testament to talk about. I could pull up the scriptures. Yeah, they, they you talk can do about it separately if you want. talking about yeah. Sheol, which, yeah. which... A lot of times people talk about as in, like, the great or death or some sort of... But it's, it's pretty mysterious what they mean. But it means torment or, or yeah it's and not a nice place to go we don't want to go there though that's the thing we don't want separation from the all-knowing all-loving creator God. we want to have eternity with them so yeah I think the problem is and this is the effect of the fall is that we gain knowledge and insight because we wanted to be wise and it's not an argument for ignorance it's just the fact that we understand these things now is the issue that we're up against that we should never have never had from the beginning so you don't believe that in the exist and that man created it. But that's not what the Bible says. I don't, I don't believe that there's a, a literal physical. Ah. I believe that there's metaphorical present hell for humanity. And I think... That idea of hell is much more present. It's much more actionable, or meaningful, and the other idea of hell is much more petty. It's much more, you know, control heavy, and I think it also disrupts the actual message of Jesus Christ. So, like when Jesus says, like, "There's national teach or whatever," and he says, like, "Gomorrah" or, or whatever that term. Rob Bell goes into this. I, I believe you mentioned an actual place, like a physical location like 30 miles away where it's like people were doing child sacrifice and to me that is hell if you're sacrificing your child to the gods that's hell you know that's putting people in concentration camps that's hell it's an act of I would say that's evil hell as it's described in the bible is an actual place but there are evil practices that will lead you to that destination Yeah, evil begets hell Yes, it does. you know, yeah. but, but not in, in a very nuanced way, not in the way that we think of it. Yeah. You know, if you murder a man, you're not just carrying the sentence of going to jail, you're carrying the conscious of actually murdering someone. Sure. And generally, that's where hell is found the internal torment of one's own actions. Because I feel like that's, unless you're a psychopath generally that weighs heavier than any other Reformation. Or if you or if you murder a man you put your life on a trajectory towards harm, you know, that you go to prison, you know, you don't get a family, you don't have kids, you don't have a meaningful career, you don't... You know, it, it's more of a hellish pattern. Okay. You know, and it's more disruptive, it's more chaotic, and I've seen that in a, in a lot yeah. of people. But that is that is a good point, and I think that it is a question in terms of the, the justice and the morality Is it is that... Well, In order to have love, you have to have freedom. You can't have... You can't have have some sort of choice, otherwise it's not true. Yeah, and I think that's the idea of why there's harmful things in the world because we're free agents. We get to choose. I could like flip this table over. You know, well, I, there's a consequence, though. But there's a consequence. Ah. yes. Yeah. And I think that's where so there's limitations. Yes. There's. I mean, there's helpful limitations. You know, like if I if I went and killed someone, my life would really go down a toilet. But if we can understand justice on this side of heaven. Why wouldn't there be a cosmic justice between people that do right and people? I think there might be some sort of justice, but I think there's a very important distinguish yeah. between an eternal idea of justice and a equitable. Because, because if you're 17 years old and you commit heinous acts for 17 years, what is just that you have 17 years of heinous acts of equal measure committed to you, that's what justice is. It's it's who gets to decide, though, who gets to go to heaven or hell? Do we get to decide? We'll, we'll see. That's the idea. Is like, yeah. How do you know the 17-year-old is going to hell? okay. So Ah. so this I mean this is the idea of like a non believer and and the modern church is like those who don't believe and are sinful, they're not going to be saved. And this is a very real belief that then they're gonna go to hell. Which everyone might actually go to some sort of afterlife, before heaven, if they do, you know. But the idea that god doesn't have a big enough heaven for everyone it's pretty small and i think if god is just god would be more fair and yeah. i mean in yeah. eternal hell so i think the idea of the eternal hell is much more human-like in the sense like we want to punish our enemies forever but like an actual god would be like you know if you've done this much harm you feel this much harm. so i think would be an alternative to the illustration that we see in the Bible. Like, look what's happened in the last century yeah. when human beings have tried to create utopian models of justice or governance and humanity. But look at the sin nature of what that's produced as a result of that. And I'll give you an example Marxism, mm-hmm. uh, the radicalization of socialist ideas of um, what the Nazi parties and the parties of communism, whether we're talking about Stalin or talking about the pot or talking about all these different dictators. And not just that, even in the present day contents, what the atheistic worldview can produce we're going to default to allow technology to rule our world because Hmm. we as humans can't figure out how to solve our human heart level issues Hmm. my question is what do you have as a equitable measure of justice apart from a creator god that made us in his own image and can define the boundaries and limitations of ours and also is a just god now he does judge on what we know his word says he put eternity in our hearts he put the law in our hearts. If the word says that the only way to the Father is through the Son. Mm. Uh, John 14, 6, like, I'm the way, the truth, the light. Nobody comes from the Father except... Mm. But to someone that's never heard that message, the law written on their heart, how God, based on what we know, based on his work, is how God can... still are talking about We are talking about the murder on death row that might have a last-minute heart change, which happens. God ultimately will be the mediator and the cyber of that. However, because the truth and knowledge has come to you, thank God, mm-hmm. you are now culpable. You are now held to that. And, and it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you still have a struggle with it. Moses murdered someone, God still used him. David committed adultery, God still used it. And so what we do see is that even though we have the ability to do wrong, we still have an opportunity to reconcile. And God still can arbitrate in that process. What we also see is people that don't do the right thing after they know it's wrong, and I'll give you an example. You mentioned a couple of well-known pastors and authors. There are competing Theologies, competing world viewpoints, you the fact that scripture, if we're holding soul scriptura, scripture is the ultimate authority, then I would encourage you to do that exploration for yourself, not based on what Richard Moore said, not based on what I said. Yeah. Maybe those are questions that the church, maybe you're a little suspect of what different interpretations are. I would encourage you to look that out and search it out for yourself. Um, and come to that realization, not as a 17, 13-year-old boy, but yeah. as a 19, 20-year-old young man, and maybe even as a 35-year-old man, yeah. maybe throughout the rest of your life. That's the challenge I'm leaving with you. It's not to say, hey, you got to take the cup now, but I'm saying is that these are questions you're going to be wrestling your whole life, and it's yeah. by faith in God, not because, oh, I want to avoid going to hell. That, that is, I think, a very poor way of viewing life. But I also don't think it's something we should ignore, because then we're just gonna live our lives how we want with no consequences, and that's not exactly healthy. But I think living your life with no consequences in and of itself produces a hell. It can produce negative fruit. I think hell is explicit as the Bible describes it, as a physical place that has in a spiritual dimension that has an eternal separation from God. Because if we don't wanna have a relationship with God in this side of heaven, does it make any sense why we want to have him from the other side of heaven? I mean, we it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, we didn't have much choice in being put here anyways. Oh, but, okay. so, so, <laughs> I brought this up in a previous conversation, but didn't you think about it, we didn't have much choice in being born and or put on the earth, so then if you, if you don't have much choice in being put on the earth, and then you have to live, you know, to some degree, and you have choices within that, but then you don't have much choice afterwards either. To be committed to some sort of arbitrary torment... For a trillion years, a hundred million years, I think these are actually really important. Questions. No, these are the questions. by the question yeah. yeah, we just kind of gloss over it. We accept and we say, okay, like God just kind of like he's he's smarter than me. You know, like I gotta accept it. But it doesn't take that smart of a conscious being realize fairness is not eternal glory. Yeah. If you haven't already checked out our website, you can visit four, that is the number four campus.org for resources and questions addressing some of the most challenging issues in the culture. If you're a student and have been listening for a while, consider becoming a guest in the show by sending an email to four, that is the number four campus org at gmail.com. Additionally, if you're liking some of the conversations and want to do a more deeper dive at the same issues, I want to actually invite you to a podcast show that co-host with a friend and ministry partner nick snap of miracles and you can find links and information found in the show notes of this episode now let's get back to the conversation so for me, like, I kind of had this awakening years ago, and I've come to terms with them. so I'm now on my other path of exploring outside of Christianity, because I think for right now, Christianity is, I come back to it because I'm interested into it, but I'm always met with some sort of frustration with the culture and some of the interpretations. So, so stick with the teachings, though, because, like, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I do not have 100% evidence. I do not, it's based on the moderns of the evidence. Yeah, like, like it's experiential. Experience, to, to me, Jesus is the most interesting part, and, and then everything else is kind of like, Jewish history and human story. Proverbs though. It's beautiful, man. I, I love the Psalms. I, I do yeah. love Proverbs. Yes. Yeah, My favorite is song, song of Songs, For sure. Oh, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's a different, that's a whole different kind of book. But I mean look at this language right here, right? This is Isaiah 6 9. Go and tell this to the people. Be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. It's talking about the truth of the word, right? Therefore, once I will astound these people wonder upon wonder, the wisdom of the wise will perish, the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Prophetically speaking, look at this Day, how much knowledge can you accumulate about anything? We'll never be able to exhaust it. It oh, yeah. says that knowledge will cease one day. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. What is it with that love? Truth, it doesn't it take that much to cease knowledge. I mean, we're bored anyways. We I mean, stop seeking it out. I would agree. I think we're ultimately going to have two choices. And this does go back to the garden. It's funny how it goes back to the garden every hmm. time, right? Your choice is either ultimately going to follow yourself, your, your own understanding. I'm either going to create what i believe is right and just and true myself or i'm going to trust and put faith into an authority even though i might not have full confidence and assurance of these various pieces that ultimately is the decision and, and it's a decision that we get because of a decision made by our great great, great ancestors see that sucks but here's the thing is they didn't have jesus they had the law, they had the teachings, the traditions, they had prophets that, that came up and the people back to God, but they had to sacrifice, and every year it could have been a judgment. You know what? What the ancients they have that we have is the risen of Christ, so we are no longer under the sin of condemnation yeah death, we are under the law of life. And that's what the cross does, and this is what's so radical, it doesn't nullify hell. You define that however you want. The Bible defines it clearly and it explains there's a difference between evil. There's a difference between the injustice that we see and the reason for it. Here's the beauty of it though. You get an opportunity to have a relationship with God on a personal level to where the questions don't become as important as the connection. The church people get hurt by the church. They get hurt by people. Hmm. It's human. We all go through it. But there's a forgiveness now that transcends my own sense of justice. And that is the beauty about the gospel and about Christ. when we come up against the reality of Jesus, I think that we're seeing a portrait of what life in eternity with God could look like. The best way that we can live, forgiving people that have hurt us, that's a justice that transcends any type of human experience that we can explain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that there's hope in that. And I think the hope is not so that we can keep people from going to hell. The hope is that we can show people how to live a life that is so much more meaningful, that can lead us to a place of peace so that we don't look at our neighbors and say, well, that person should be damned. We look at them and say, you know what, the way I used to live, I probably could have headed in that same direction, but I know a better way to live. Hmm. And that's why I think you see Jesus going around and leading people to the Father more than he's telling people not to go to hell. Hmm. And the people that he does tell that to are the people that are teaching a whole different set of truth and not living up to it. Hmm. So I think that that's a check on us to say, you know what, I think we should be careful before we go and try to straighten people out and telling them about the Bible and how you should live your life and, and institutionalizing it. To where us. I have the biggest problem ah, in the church ah, is... So you and Jesus have a lot in common then. I, I think Jesus is great. Ah. I think he's, he's among the greatest teachers ever, you know? And when I go back to church, just on the wind, that's that's what frustrates me is that a lot of these teachings that are big questions I think are really harmful and people of my generation, people who actually want to carry some of this counter, yeah. that personal, I mean you said it really well Is like, it's not so much about the questions. It's about the connection between the source of everything. And I think like, the connection in that spiritual feeling or that faith or that interaction is what's most important. That's what all religions aim at, which is why I think like, good. all religions have some merit. Uh, they're all trying to achieve somewhat the same, same direction. With with different tools, different ideas. But, but when it comes to big questions, some of those questions I think prevent some of that personal yeah. connection. And that's yeah. why I bring up the idea of health, oh. is because with perhaps a better theology or perhaps a better openness, Christianity could contribute to a more healthy mind of the human. Yeah. You know, and and a more flourishing life yeah. in a more deeper connection. If that makes sense, yeah. No, hey, look, I, that's so funny, I wasn't even prepared to talk about this, but I would definitely say, if you haven't had a chance, you know, read Isaiah 53 because it talks about the suffering servant Messiah, which we see foreshadowing of, obviously, it's crucifixion. Maybe we can both agree on this. And this might even be the strand that might lead you to that deeper understanding. Because I I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to, like, short-sell the tougher, harder aspects of the Christian faith in the teachings of Christ or some of the teachings of the ancient writers. Hmm. Uh, even what the Apostle Paul and the is teachings i think that one the concept of hell is not just christian in nature there are so many other faiths that hold to oh yeah absolutely that that view and, and that so i are also harmful but i think that we're ultimately going to have to wrestle with though is, is a matter of human experience but in 2022 Mm -hmm. You're not the only person that's ever wrestled with these ideas. And here's what I think you and I are both going to ultimately have to answer this question for ourselves. And it's not going to be something that we're going to probably hear externally. It's an internal dialogue we need to have with our creator. And I think that there needs to be truth and logic. There needs to possibly be some evidence to support some of our truth claims. Mm -hmm. I know in my life, i've experienced things and I've seen i'd say more intimate encounters with god and the person of jesus mm. that i've even seen in other seasons of my life like things have happened to me that just felt really strange and very wrong and i'm like you know what god I'm for you here like I'm for you and why these things happen it's not fair Um, but I I think that maybe what we'll always struggle with is that sense of justice and that sense of equity and like what should be ultimately right Hmm. and I would argue that the danger is whenever we try to do our own thing and kind of divorce God's word and his teachings and some of the laws that we've seen on a heart level established Mm. 10 commandments the teachings of the gospel and how Jesus lived and how he treated other people I think when we move away From that period is when we also get into trouble because now we're having to recreate justice for ourselves and it never works. It never produces a a healthy, sustainable society. Mm. The last century has demonstrated hundreds of millions of people murdered. Yeah, but we go as, back to the crusades, you, you can you bring up to example crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This past 100 years is probably among the least violent of the past centuries uh, uh, percentage wise. We're living in the least violent age of humanity ever, which is astounding. I mean, I think overall humanity is is progressing to a more Christ-like society, you know. Uh, yeah. Whether whether we consciously know it or not because I mean the fact that you can't just sell your wife or something anymore is like hugely significant you know that that there's actual major consequences for murder we don't have like 100 concubines most people don't anymore but that's always a, that's a generational thing, and if you look, in an example would be you could have made that same argument a century ago. But look what happened in less than a century when people deviated from that. And so, yes, there's been bloodshed throughout history, but it only takes one generation to forget all the lessons of past generations. If you look at ancient societies, Greece, Rome. Yeah, I mean, we're just like we're in a, in a cycle, right? Maybe to reinforce that, would you agree that we have the benefit of the laws and the justice and the ability to learn intellectually? and to love and to have the relative peace and safety that we have because we've appropriately applied God's word and God's knowledge in a healthy societal context with the laws and the framework that we have today? I don't know if it's necessarily due to the Bible. And I think a big thing is, like, the Bible to me isn't as interesting anymore as it might have once been. Mm. Um, Because I, I no longer see it as the one and only... Median of communication with some sort of divine source. You know, I, I, I see I, it's way too small, and this is one of the issues that I have with the church. Is like it's a fantastic work of art. It's great history. It's a human struggle. It has the stories of Jesus Christ, it's beautiful, but it's so small when when you try to capture all of life in one book. I think the authors of the Bible knew that, and over thousands of years, I think the ideas of justice and law, human progression, isn't necessarily due to the Bible because the Bible is also used as an authority to put down people for many hundreds of years. So I, it's more of a consciousness of humanity that's more in line with justice, somewhat more in line with the source of all being. Okay. I don't think it necessarily has to be explicitly by reading the Bible. It could just be like as a society growing more consciously progressive and it's it's not going to be pretty like it's not like a clear linear thing but it's like we're living in the most at least in America in the most equal society that has been created for possibly ever I mean in human history I know like in their struggles and like rage against the machine and everything but as far as like the trajectory of humanity, like 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years ago we killed our brother on a win with whatever reason ever died in battle like any day. You know, so I think humanity is being steered in the right direction right now if we don't destroy ourselves. That's really good. I think that's a good way to to cap off the the conversation because we can definitely go deeper. Um, I was going to say in terms of resources, things that you mentioned a few. um, Rob Bell, Richard Ward, new enlightenment. There's definitely some other materials out there. That's the thing is there are differing views. These are tough conversations to have. These are the sticking points for a lot of people when it comes to God, when it comes to religion, when it comes to different ideas and things that we have to experience in the natural. I'm learning that I have to answer these questions to myself daily and how I live and back to myself. Like mm-hmm. I'm always just trying to meet you on mutual ground. And, and this yeah. is why this is why I'm talking to you. Yeah, most Christians, I think. <laughs> who who'd want to come talk about something like this have the idea of hell questioned or something. Would it respond or I don't know. You're seeking to talk with people with different views, which I think is crucial, and I think most of the time, in religion, when people are seeking to talk with alternating views, they're not seeking to learn. They're seeking to change the other person's view. You know, there's lots of... I I definitely want to defend and reinforce my view, though, Yeah, it sounds like... Especially in this context, in this culture, particularly where you're at, it's important to listen. Yeah, because, and to not judge. Because all of our beliefs are not 100% truth Yeah. And what we might feel is 100% truth now might not be 100% true. Yeah. And I think that's how I operate my life. Yeah. Is that my beliefs are probably not right. Yeah. They could be, but I have strong opinions about them, but they're probably yeah. not right. That's, good. That's part of my issue with religion is that they don't believe much in, no. in a lot of places. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Solomon's Knot, an extension of floorcampus.org and its associated partners. As a special thanks to our listeners, we'll be giving out an official Solomon's Knot t-shirt to the first person who posts five-star rating in either Apple or Spotify's podcasts. Make sure to email your size and the screenshot of your post so I can ship that out to you as soon as possible. Lastly, I can't thank the viewers enough for just the incredible outpouring of love and support, whether by sharing this podcast with a friend or even giving financially, your generosity is being felt every time a student is engaged on the North Carolina State Campus. These are going to be some of our future parents, leaders, and even followers of Christ, all because of the direct engagement and support that you're showing on this show. Continue to tune in for updates, including information on our outreach day that's going to happen sometime in the coming months. Until next time, this is Jason. Peace.